Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. Ladies and gentlemen, people of the free world, we are living history. The 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, is under criminal indictment and is expected to surrender to Manhattan authorities on a reported 34 counts of criminal misconduct early next week. Justice for our nation's most flagrant enemy of freedom and democracy is finally coming. God bless America. With this history-making indictment, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is bravely breaking the floodgate of criminal accountability for the former president, with charges from Fulton County, Georgia, and the Department of Justice almost certain to follow. Exactly two years ago, it was said that I broke the floodgates when I invalidated Donald Trump's illegal campaign non-disclosure agreement in court. That NDA battle was and is a years-long battle that, interestingly, started in 2018, around the same time that two other women, albeit for very different reasons, were taking on NDA, NDA battles with Trump. It is truly remarkable how those very attempts to silence women during Women's History Month, no less, are the backstory to what is finally bringing this tyrant down. And speaking of bad news for tyrants, on the same day that Trump was indicted, his war criminal crony Vladimir Putin suffered a major setback, with Finland clearing its last hurdle to join NATO. If Trump were president, he would, been, would have been tearing NATO apart and likely handing Ukraine to Putin in a gift basket wrapped in an American flag. But thank God we have President Biden, who has no common cause with fascist dictators and is a true leader of the free world. His guidance on the world stage has kept Putin on his heels, growing a powerful international coalition to support Ukraine's fight for freedom. Thanks to this leadership, Finland's addition now makes the Western alliance surrounding Russia stronger than ever before. And finally, of course, the fascist-friendly GOP is out in full force to cast this beautiful and needed unfoldment of ju justice we're now witnessing as anything but. They are promoting unrest, portraying Trump as a victim, and casting blame on the us their usual suspects. Now, I was all too ignorant about one of them for years as I listened to the up is down propaganda of right wing networks like Fox News, which, by the way, just lost a bid to dismiss the lawsuit from Dominion and it's going to trial. We're going to talk about that, too. But we're going to reverse some of that ignorance that I fell prey to today and shine a light on one of the greatest philanthropists in modern history, George Soros. Welcome to Lights On. I'm feeling pretty patriotic, Ben. How about you? I'm feeling great. It's always great to be your sidekick on this show. And look, this has been a very historic week. But if you've been watching and listening to Lights On and the other Midas Touch Network shows, we've been following the data. We've been providing you on a day-to-day -day basis, not with these media narratives, but a real cutting edge analysis from the top experts uh, in the field about what these various uh, the, the witnesses who were showing up before the grand jury, what that meant to the overall Manhattan criminal investigation. And uh, it was very clear to those familiar with the Manhattan grand jury process that this was headed in this direction. I think people have uh, so much fatigue and rightfully so from all of the years of uh, the gaslighting that's been taking place, Trump dodging accountability that people didn't believe that this moment could actually uh, arrive. And I um, mean, you know, for me, this isn't about disagreeing on political issues or anything like this. It's Donald Trump committed crimes. The crime that he's been charged with, and we believe there to be 34 counts, is falsifying business records. That's what uh, he engaged in, and he engaged in a broader conspiracy of catch-and-kill schemes leading up to the 26th election, um, where he 
uh, utilized various means, including things like the National Enquirer, to try to bury stories about his sexual escapades. I mean, it is grotesque, disgusting, and ultimately illegal campaign contributions that are being funneled. It, it's it's that simple. And the business records were falsified. And so it's a good day for justice. The wheels of justice move in the right direction. And it's a day where I'm, I'm proud of our judicial system. I'm very proud of it. I'm so um, I'm so grateful and supportive of Alvin Bragg. I think it uh, it took him it took him a while to get to this point, and I'm I'm very grateful that um, he found it within himself and in his position as as a, a district attorney in Manhattan. It is his job to to prosecute criminals who break the law in New York, and that is why he convened a grand jury that, by the way, it wasn't Alvin Bragg that issued the indictment. It was a grand jury of a majority of 23 New Yorkers that issued that indictment against Donald J. Trump. And it's because he violated the laws of their district of Manhattan. So it's um, it's a beautiful day for equal justice. And um, I think we saw today the uh, first court document, which is the unsealing of the indictment ordered by New York Supreme Court Justice Juan Marchand. Of course, New York Supreme is the trial court in, in New York. I also have my human rights lawsuit against the Trump campaign in that court. Um, and uh, I think Trump is already after this this trial court judge, as he as he does go after these judges. Um, I think he tweeted out a or truth socialed out a uh, post naming Juan Manuel Marchand. I think this is once again one of these racist hooks trying to go after the ethnicity of this this judge. They call them justices in New York Supreme. Um, but he's this this uh, I think Donald Trump is up for something he has never been up for before. And I think the criminal justice system, the civil the civil justice system um, is showing that it is it's up to here with its patience with the with the crimes of this man, the delays of this man, this man's attempts to continuously throughout his life, his presidency, and beyond trying to evade justice and obstruct justice. And it's coming to an end. Yeah. So he was attacking Justice Juan Merchant. He was also attacking Alvin Bragg. He was also attacking Alvin Bragg's wife. And we're certainly not going to post those messages. But as part of the stochastic terrorism that we see exhibited by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans, uh, he reposted somebody else giving the name and the social media handle of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's wife and uh, and reposted that, um, obviously uh, trying to incite his followers to uh, dox and, and go after her. It's utterly despicable. Um, going back to what you said about uh, the court system in New York, just so people aren't confused, the Supreme Court in New York is their trial court. Then they have an appellate division, and then they have a court of appeal. So the Supreme Court in New York is actually not their highest court. I think New York does that just to uh, confuse law ex law students who are getting into it <laughs> to just get extra confused. But that's why it's the Supreme Court. So I don't want anyone to be confused that it's the United States Supreme Court or that it's the highest court in New York. It is the trial court where these criminal cases take place. And from what we're hearing, the arraignment uh, where Donald Trump will finally get to see the indictment, will be unsealed at that time before the arraignment. The charges will then be read to Donald Trump at that time. Uh, and ultimately, he will enter a plea of guilty or not guilty. It's expected that despite the overwhelming evidence, he'll uh, enter a plea of not guilty. But he's going to be uh, booked. He's going to be arrested. He's going to have his mugshot taken. He's going to go through the process of people who are are uh, uh, arrested and indicted in New York. He's not being treated any differently. Uh, Alvin Bragg is just following the procedures and protocols of what takes place during an indictment. And just to level set expectations, it's not like Donald Trump is going to go to prison uh, on Tuesday. He's going to go to this arraignment where the charges will be read. Uh, there likely will be 
uh, no bail or very little uh, bail that he's going to have to post, if if any. Um, but we'll see there, and and he's going to be released. And frankly, that would be no different than other people charged with that, because no one's above the law, and he's being treated as anybody else who had these charges brought would would be charged and uh, and would go through. And so you then just go through a process of uh, Donald Trump could either. Uh, invoke his right to a speedy trial, in which case trial can take place um, relatively soon. I doubt he will do that. He'll try to delay, delay, delay. Um, this discovery that the grand jury saw will be turned over to Donald Trump, but it's not an overly complex document case. And then they'll go through the procedures. Eventually, a trial date is going to be set. And and that's that's the process of what we can expect to see. That's what any American who violates a law in the United States, if they are subject to the criminal justice system as they should be, goes through. So Donald Trump is finally, finally getting treated like every other American, not getting special treatment because of his wealth or his privilege or his political position. Let's be clear. The only thing political in this whole scenario of Donald Trump's criminality has been the reluctance of prosecutors to go after him because he chooses to run for political office. It's like the ultimate criminal recruitment program that the GOP has set up, where you can commit crimes, run for political office, claim a witch hunt, commit more crimes, claim political interference, and try to evade accountability. And I love that the um, the DA in Manhattan, Bragg's office, is, is really ha- just has no patience and, and is answering um, the political, attempted political interference of Trump's sycophants in the House GOP, the Judiciary Committee, with um, very clear statements about how they will not be interfered with. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Ben, but earlier they uh, made another attempt and, and Bragg's office responded by saying the committee's attempted interferences with an ongoing state criminal investigation and now prosecution is an unprecedented and illegitimate incursion on New York's sovereign interests. In other words, get away. <laughs> this this in- investigation has nothing to do with you. It's not your business. This is a local investigation that is under the jurisdiction of Manhattan, and you have no, um, you have no part interfering in this ongoing investigation and now prosecution. You know, and, and here's the thing too, you know, Jim Jordan, who chairs the Judiciary Committee, you know, he never passed the bar exam. I'm not even sure if he ever took the bar exam. And by the way, I don't think passing the bar exam makes me a, a better lawyer per se or, or or smarter per se, but it's like the minimal competency exam to have a license as a lawyer. And so the MAGA Republicans chose, could have had anybody, right, who passed the bar exam. The person they wanted to lead the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives is someone who did not even pass the minimal competency exam to be licensed as a lawyer. And so you have someone who just rolls up the sleeves and kind of cosplays a lawyer. And when you think about it, that's really the performative fascist cosplay that's come to define this MAGA Republican Party. And and frankly, I mean, I don't think Jim Jordan should be in Congress. I don't think he should be leading any committee. But but doesn't it speak to just the value set and the character of the party that they go for the Judiciary Committee? Let's pick the guy who doesn't have the law license. Jim Jordan. I mean, by the way. Calling him the guy who doesn't have the law license is frankly probably the nicest thing you can say about Jim Jordan because you could also say the guy who worked in the wrestling department of Ohio State who essentially obstructed justice and covered up and retaliated against whistleblowers who observed and were exper- and experienced vicious sexual abuse by uh, a coach in the wrestling team uh, that was covered up by Jim Jordan. Uh, and apparently Jim Jordan would call all the players who were sexually abused and tell him, please, please don't come forward with your allegations. Please don't come forward with your allegations. But this is the person who they have chairing the Judiciary Committee who created a committee called the weaponization or, or an, an analyzing the weaponization of government and uses it to interfere 
with ongoing criminal investigations into Donald Trump. You know, it, it, it is it is so baffling and so disgusting. No, but it makes sense with the the non-logic logic of this Republican Party. They, they would choose a defender of sexual predators to defend another sexual predator who is the leader, their dear leader, their idol, their God. Let's be clear that Donald Trump is their God. Who else would show such deference and defense of a man who has committed so many crimes, has such a history of corruption, abuse, abuse of the Constitution, um, abuse of his own staff, uh, just abuse of his followers, grifting off of them, um, taking millions of dollars from their hard-earned money to fund his frivolous legal bills and lifestyle. And so it would, you know, I think Jim Jordan is the perfect character to to lead this um, just circus of a committee that is not representative of the United States House of Representatives at all. And like you said, not even fit to sit on a judiciary committee because he doesn't have a law degree or couldn't pass a bar exam. Or maybe does he have a law degree, Ben? But couldn't pass he, the bar. I, I believe he graduated from law school, but never took the bar exam or never mm-hmm. passed the bar exam. And, and again, by the way, I don't I don't judge people who don't pass the bar exam. <laughs> But he, but that doesn't mean it would be not- a useful t- tool set to have leading the United States House Judiciary Committee. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it was like you know, um, oh, a lot of these candidates who who are running, who are you know clearly you know, these MAGA Republican candidates like Herschel Walker, right? Who are clearly not you know competent to run. You know, it, it's just can you? Like with the skill set that you have, I'm not trying to mock it. Like I I don't want to demean people. I don't want to like look down on people. Like that's not in in any way my value set. It's just simply why is the position that you are seeking the one that involves life or death for me and my family and friends and community members and and, and country members like you, you know you can do other things why do you want the position that you are going to take to cause harm to people and that you're not competent and qualified to have i'm sure there are things you're competent and qualified to do but 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 stop taking those positions and maga republicans frankly continue to promote frankly people who couldn't get a job anywhere else in the country other than a job as a house republican that's the best as job they could ever get as a republican politician it's absolutely yeah despicable yeah well i see a lot of a lot of uh chatter in <laughs> in our chat about stormy daniels and that that brings me to what i what i wanted to talk to because i think it's just remarkable that this case or cases because um, we know David Pecker came in before the Manhattan Grand Jury and um, testified to the catch and kill schemes, which of course also included Karen McDougal. And um, I have something, thank God it isn't an affair with Trump, but I have something else in common with these two women, Story Daniels and uh, and Karen McDougal. Do you know what the what the media first called me, Ben, when when I sued? I'm, I'm, to I'm, not, I'm not taking the bait here after that <laughs> setup. I'll, I'll, you tell you tell us what, it's what not they that called. Bad. It's okay. I mean, it, it was maybe suggestive to people that didn't know better, but they said third woman, third woman sues to uh, to break a Trump-related non-disclosure agreement. Um, of course, my non-disclosure agreement was not a hush money agreement for a sexual affair. Thank God, absolutely not. But um, it was a an illegal document that I signed as a staffer working for Donald Trump's campaign very ignorantly, blindly, without doing my homework and having been brainwashed by right-wing media, having gone to work for his campaign, which, by the way, let me just mention while we're talking about signing this NDA, the reason that he got people like me who went to work for his campaign to sign such such an egregious document. And I'm gonna show it to you in a minute, some of the terms of this agreement, how wildly illegal they are, is because our mindset was so warped, or at least I'm speaking for myself, but I know there were others like me. Our mindset was so warped into believing this narrative that he's trying to, to 
pull until this day that he is a victim, that he's constantly under attack by all sides. And so he has to just have this fortress around him to fend off attacks, to keep himself, um, you know, to just to make sure that his reputation is intact because he's just the most attacked and victimized <laughs> white male billionaire in the world. So we all had to buckle down and defend Donald Trump. So pathetic. So pathetic. But anyway, I had I had signed this NDA as a term of my employment. I didn't get a I didn't get a hush money payment. It's not that kind of NDA. It's an employment NDA as opposed to a, a settlement or secrecy NDA for um, for a payout. Um, and I filed my lawsuit, as, as some of the viewers and listeners know, in 2017 for human rights violations on that campaign. And then the campaign weaponized this NDA against me with the $1.5 million lawsuit. And it was in the beginning of 2018, at the same time that these other two women brought their NDA challenges that I filed that first pro se lawsuit against Donald Trump's NDA. Um, and it's, it's just so remarkable that these stories of these women who we thought, we thought this was old news. We thought we weren't going to hear about this anymore. We thought it was just going to be Michael Cohen going to jail for Donald Trump's dirty deeds. And here it is, these attempts to silence these women, to silence Stor Stormy Daniels in the height of an election when news was breaking that Donald Trump bragged about being a sexual predator. You better believe he did not want the American public to know about that. Um, so it's it's remarkable. And, and and I was so I was so happy to be able to launch lights on on Women's History Month is because I've had such special things happen in my case. It was two years ago to the day yesterday that my NDA was ruled invalid. And that was three years to the day that I filed that first NDA challenge in 2018. Um, but I want to share, I, I know you know this document and you've gone over this document with my previous appearances on Midas Touch, but I just want to share this document because it's really egregious. It really goes to the heart of how Donald Trump has weaponized the justice system for years to suppress information that is harmful to him, to try to control the narrative, to try to evade justice. If we can pull up uh, salty, some of the those terms of, of that NDA. It, this is one of them. It's about NDA, of course, represents non-disclosure agreement, also non-disparagement agreement. So under no disparagement, it says during the term of your service and at all times thereafter, you hereby promise and agree not to demean or disparage publicly the company, Mr. Trump and Trump company any family member member or any family member company or any asset any of the foregoing own or product or service of any of the foregoing offer etc cetera, etc cetera. that literally means you are silenced for life on anything related to donald trump on ivanka's fragrances on um you know any trump child tr eric's ventures don jr any of the multitude of entities that are named, not explicitly, but Im implicitly in this document that are associated with Donald Trump, you cannot speak a negative word, a negative, disparaging, critical word about anything related to this man for the rest of your life because you at one point decided to get involved in the political process, which in America should be a a something that you are free to come and go from as you choose that you this in this country it's foundational to our democracy that we can change our political viewpoints so he basically got everybody who at one point was deceived enough like me or whatever their motives or intentions were going to work for this campaign or even just volunteer to sign away for life their right to criticize anything related to the Trump empire. Can, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it, it is. It is unbelievable that this would be employed in the context, I think, of a political campaign, you know, but this is also why Donald Trump was never fit in the first place, the first first place, and that would be a big understatement there uh, to even you know you know to even run or to be in a position 
uh, near uh, power. And so, but one of the things that impresses me most, Jessica, though, is that you talk about how it's um, basically the anniversary of when you won uh, removing the NDA as it relates to you, but your fight didn't end there. Um, your fight was for the broader class. You could have ended it there. You could have just said, hey, I got what I wanted. See you later. later. Um, But it was very, (laughs) it it was important for you though, after paving the way to say, you know what, those who are similarly situated, who had to also uh, sign this unlawful NDA, I want to help them too. You didn't have to, you didn't have to do that. You could have just went on with your life. Why'd you do that? Well, it's kind of the principle of the matter. I mean, first of all, when I was acting on my own in 2018 and I brought that first pro se lawsuit to invalidate the NDA, my thought was, if I am successful with this individual action, this it's going to have the effect of a class. It's going to effectively determine and, and establish that this document is illegal. And um, when I got my attorneys, they they had the wonderful idea of bringing, I was basically locked into challenging it initially in arbitration. Even though I started in court, they won a fight to bring me into arbitration. And I've talked before about how my maybe naive, but really just pure and, and dogged motivations as a pro se litigant are what got me eventually, even though I went through all these hoops, got me back into court with this challenge. But when I got my lawyers, they said, let's bring this as a class action arbitration. And they explained to me why it was so important to bring a class complaint and not just an individual one, because what's so pernicious about these documents is that there could be a million private arbitrations. There's an arbitration clause in in these NDAs. So there could be countless NDA arbitrations going on that nobody knows about, that never see the light of day, where even if you have a court precedent, which I eventually established, they they that cost of litigation the trump campaign going into these arbitrations and arguing that my precedent would is not valid which they did they did after i won they tried to tell arbitrators oh no the denson judge was wrong um they lost by the way and and those uh, arbitrations were won based on my precedent but um you could have had countless unknown, under, behind closed door arbitrations going on against people, still weaponizing this NDA. And you better believe, Ben, that just the fear of litigation, the fear of having to have your whole life consumed like mine was, and and whatever, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills it might cost you, which I never had. So, you know, it took me a year, but beautifully, I got I got attorneys to work for me on contingency and then eventually pro bono on the legal on the NDA class action. I didn't have the money for this. So you can just and and through all that, I also endured the threat that they temporarily had over hanging over my head of an actual $50,000 judgment against me for violating the NDA. So think about that experience that I had. You better believe that's enough of a deterrent and a chilling effect to have anybody else think about possibly speaking out in violation of this NDA. And I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, but while we're talking about violating the NDA, I just want to show the other definition that is so egregious from it because you don't even know this is the whole thing you don't even know if you're violating it it's completely arbitrary if we can salty bring up the definition for confidential information it says confidential information means all information whether or not embodied in any media of a private proprietary or confidential nature or that Mr. Trump insists remain private or confidential, including but not limited to any information with respect to the personal life, political affairs, and or business affairs of Mr. Trump or any family member, da, da, da. Oh my God, that Mr. Trump insists remain confidential? I mean, now we're all supposed to be diviners just knowing what Donald Trump is thinking at any moment too possibly enforce this NDA against people. I mean, so that 
that no, once I understood what it was going to take for me legally to um, to have this have a class wide effect, I was I said, absolutely. I mean, that that was my whole goal. I, I it, it's, it's just a matter of principle. <laughs> um, nobody should be silenced in America from expressing their political beliefs for one time going to work for a political campaign. This is the thing. These are the things of authoritarians, of dictators pledging allegiance to one political candidate or leader for life. I, this, this I'm, I'm so upset about it. I'm throwing my microphone. <laughs> I, well, look, you know, that malignant narcissism that he carried with and all of the failures and private practice that he engaged in, that's what he brought to the White House. I mean, that's why he says, you may have seen the interview on Hannity recently, right, where Hannity was saying, like, Hannity doesn't even ask him questions anymore. Like, that's just how low the depths of depravity Fox is. Like, Hannity will just say words to him and Hannity will go, President Xi, uh, Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin, and Donald Trump will say, great people, love working with them, really, you know, I think I have enormous respect for them, and he hits all of our enemies, and then, and then Hannity goes, Barack Obama, I don't know if you saw this, and Donald Trump was like, don't really know him, don't really know much, he goes, don't really know much, maybe you don't know about Obama, but Trump brought all of the failures all of the malignant narcissism, that authoritarian mindset to the office, those same types of things he was asking for in the NDAs is what he asked of all of the people, not just from the campaign, but the people actually uh, in the White House. And that's what he wants to turn our government into. You know, there's nothing normal about it, despite the fact that large media networks will try to normalize that behavior. It, it, it couldn't be the furthest thing from normal. It's the furthest thing from normal. Yeah, it's very far from normal, and it's also extremely aggressive and and um, oppressive. And I want to share just because I know that whoever is watching and listening wants my insight into into how I took on this battle and won. It was not something that happened overnight. It was through persistence and um, and really just buckling down through some very extremely challenging periods in this legal battle. And I mentioned that um, they had this $50,000 judgment against me at one point. And you know, Ben, how often the, uh, the, the GOP and Trump sycophants and Trump himself claims to be censored, claims to be a victim of um, their free speech violations or rights being violated. Well, I had this $50,000 judgment against me, one, because I challenged the NDA in Fred federal court. That was their predicate for it. And because they decided to continue this bogus arbitration against me based on a Twitter account with 32 followers, 32 followers. What I was posting on a Twitter account with 32 followers, which was a few things about my case. Um, at the beginning, I was like tweeting literally like Bible verses and song lyrics on my Twitter account. I was very new to this social media. <laughs> but I was like, if if the biggest bully in the world can have a platform where he talks to 80 million people with lies, then I'm going to come out here with the truth. And I and I knew it. I started this when I when after I sued to invalidate the NDA in 2018. And I knew I, I just knew they were going to come after me for it. But I was like, you know what? I can't live in a country where speaking my mind is is punished. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm doing it anyway. I, I desperately needed um, money to try to, to to hire an attorney. So I put up a teeny little GoFundMe that, you know, raised barely $1,500. They tried to disgorge the money in that GoFundMe account. And I want to. I want. I want the people that are listening to to think about my story. I was not somebody who was known. I was just a woman out there who they were literally trying to make disappear. You have some of these battles that Trump has had with more prominent and well-known people, like you know, like Michael Cohen, like um, even you know his niece Mary Trump, or or other very well-known people that the news media uh, speaks about a lot that have platforms. I want you to think about how pernicious this was because it could have been me, it could have been anyone trying to make somebody disappear. I mean, that is literally what they were trying to do to me, trying to make me disappear. So I literally could not have any voice at all. And I would have just been a blip in the radar 
in Trump's march to authoritarianism. And so in this process, they use that 32 follower Twitter account, my challenge to the NDA, and they went ahead and they they plowed ahead trying to get this $50,000 arbitration award confirmed into a judgment, which they did. And although they knew we were appealing, and you better believe it, they knew right away it was my intention to appeal. It's really funny because I, I, you would have thought throughout this process that they would have gotten an intimation that I wasn't you know, just somebody who they could scare away, but they kept treating me like they could probably just make me go away. And they tried to execute on that $50,000 judgment immediately after they got it, knowing that we were appealing, refusing to agree to a stay, which would have been the, the, you know, decent and and civil way for his counsel to deal with me. Instead, they froze my bank accounts. They went after a little bit amount of a money that my attorneys had raised in an escrow account. I don't know what you think about this, Ben, but my attorneys, we, we determined it ultimately, it wasn't unprecedented. But to go after a, um, a party's attorney's escrow account in attempted judgment enforcement. It was a very, very aggressive maneuver. Um, I think they underestimated their adversary. But as you're recounting that too, I think about you talking about how at that time your Twitter account had 32 followers. And as you were saying that, I was just looking at the last episode of Lights On, which by the way, was your second episode of the show. So on your second episode of your debut podcast, Lights On, as of now, you had 221,000 uh, downloads to that uh, to that podcast. And Thank so, you, everybody. Which, <laughs> which is a testament, though, to your fight um, and your fight not just for yourself, but recognizing that you were also fighting for the greater good, for our democracy and standing up to this bully. And frankly, I think you paved the way in, in a lot of respects. And I think you deserve more credit for that. And I think uh, people are, and I know you didn't do it for credit, but I think people are starting to recognize that. And so I, I asked you this yesterday, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious just again, maybe for some of the new audience that's, that's joining, because you managed to prevail in this legal battle ultimately against Donald Trump while he employed all of these tactics. And I think also in addition to freezing your accounts and, uh, you know, trying to disgorge your attorney's escrow account. And, you know, I think they also try to spread the same types of conspiracies that, wow, you can't be doing this on your own. You must be backed by George Soros, right? It's the same playbook over and over again. So because you prevailed, with that playbook that was being thrown against you, what, what do you say to someone like Alvin Bragg or to others who are litigating either in criminal or civil forums against Donald Trump and his team? Well, my answer remains the same as yesterday, and that is don't move. Don't move. Don't lose focus. Do not allow them to take you down the rabbit hole of their false narrative, their gaslighting, their attempts to call your behavior political when they are the most political actors and are trying to use politics to evade justice and harm more people with impunity. Um, I think that uh, having taken this time to get to this point, prosecutors like Alvin Bragg and likely following in his footsteps, Fonnie Willis and Jack Smith or Merrick Garland um, are going to have such a such a strong um, rock to stand on. And that's what I've talked about. I, I, st I stood on my rock and I did not move. And I got that sense of moral clarity and moral authority from that first night that I sued on my own in 2017. And I simply never moved from that standpoint. So that's my biggest um, piece of advice and, and um, you know, guiding light that I can offer to these prosecutors is to stay focused, to um, handle the noise appropriately like Alvin Bragg's uh, office already is in discrediting it and saying, we have no time for this and to forge ahead. They are, they, Trump is portraying himself as the victim, but there are real victims here. The country is a victim of this crime because Trump's lies likely led to his presidency, which was um, a 
complete fraud that imposed trauma on the American people day after day after day for four years, culminating in a deadly assault on our Capitol where he sent his own followers to their death, beating police officers with flagpoles and desecrating the halls of Congress. Um, the implications of the crime that is being tried right now, this first one, um, for what came in the Trump presidency are Un unthinkable. So um, they have a very strong premise to start on, as I did, and they just simply need not to move and to stay focused. And I, I have a, I have a lot of faith. I have great faith that they're already on that track and they're going to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to take us off track on this episode, but as you talked about the January 6th insurrection, like right now, with all of the support that Donald Trump is getting from all of the MAGA Republican cult followers to think about that Donald Trump is creating music with the terrorists. He calls him the J6 choir. And then he goes to these rallies. He did the last one. I call it the Wacko Waco rally, right? The site where this, uh, this cult uh, that was that had all these firearms, unlawful firearms that uh, they killed four ATF agents. That Donald Trump, in front of this uh, audience in the 30th anniversary of the cult doing that, asked everybody to you know to basically put their hand on their heart and to sing the J6 choir song, not the national anthem, not the Pledge of Allegiance, to sing the J6 choir song made by the January 6 terrorists. And then you have all the MAGA Republicans from Kevin McCarthy to Jim Jordan to Lindsey Graham to the Fox Propaganda Network all standing behind this person. And large media networks are like, well, you got where everyone's extreme. You got extreme Democrats. You got to no, no. You have a MAGA Republican Party that is just completely unhinged. And we got to call it out for what it is. We absolutely do. And and this MAGA Republican Party is in lockstep with authoritarians around the world, around the world. It's the same playbook. And, you know, I have some friends from Russia. They might even be watching this right now. And when I talk about they're not they're not super familiar with the politics in this country. But when I talk about the tactics of the GOP, they they recognize it so much because they said this is what Putin does. He he just throws so much into the collective conscience, so much chaos, so much misinformation and stories left and right, just so much garbage. He infiltrates the information space with that you don't know what to believe anymore. And this is a, this is a, um, a, a, a refrain that you hear from a lot of Republican and Trump supporters is they're all bad. You can't believe anyone. And that's exactly what authoritarians like Trump and Putin want you to believe. They want you to believe everybody's bad. So you can't trust anybody. And it's the most sick form of gaslighting because there are, especially in this country right now, we have such a distinct choice to make. That's why I support the Democrats as an independent and absolutely could do nothing else because it is such a clear distinction between the party that is, that is defending and promoting authoritarianism in the name of freedom and the party that is actually protecting our rights and freedoms and is engaged in serious governance and serious um, enactments of laws and in trying to, you know, stop weapons of war from being in our schools and, you know, fix our roads and our bridges and protect the rights of marginalized people, just the basic functions of government. There's only one serious party in this country that do is doing that, and it's the Democrats. But speaking of Democrats, we have a wonderful uh, president, President Biden, who has led a international coalition. I just want everybody to think. And, and it, what has happened in Ukraine has been so devastating. But let me tell you, if Donald Trump were president right now, like I said in the intro, he would have handed pieces of Ukraine to Putin in a gift basket wrapped in an American flag. He was aligned, so aligned with Putin's attempts to weaken the international Western coalition of, of democratic states, of, of, of countries and nations that are representing freedom. And, um, and Biden instead, thank God, has, has strengthened NATO. Trump wanted to tear NATO apart. Biden has has led the international coalition. And instead of NATO 
dissolving or weakening or losing members, which is what Putin wanted when he invaded Ukraine. They are growing and gaining members. And the latest um, member to join NATO is Finland. Uh, Turkey was the last holdout to NATO's bid for membership, and they Turkey finally approved. And this is this is a huge, huge um, setback for Putin. Finland has an 832 mile border with Russia, and is one of the most powerful arsenals of artillery artillery pieces in Western Europe. So this is um, a huge military strategic setback for Putin. It weakens his hand. It strengthens the alliance of of Democrats democratic um, NATO members that are surrounding him and ultimately is is a um, another beacon of hope for Ukraine. And I'm always, always wanting us as a world to do more because I think um, I think Ukraine represents a fight not just for their own freedom, but for global freedom. And I don't think we can possibly do enough to support that. I think Finland joining NATO in normal times, whether you're a Democrat, Republican or an independent, that is something that would be great news, right? And in today's, in the modern day America, it's either not news at all, unless you're watching the Midas Touch Network or unless you're actually searching it out. I mean, how many people here watching this even know that that was a story that took place? Or on the other hand, you've got a political party, the MAGA Republicans, who don't support this who support Vladimir Putin, right? They went from tear down the wall, Mr. Gorbachev, to Donald Trump saying, I love Vladimir Putin and the embarrassment that took place in Helsinki. And that's why it's not a normal political situation that we have. We have a Republican Party that's now the MAGA Republican Party. These aren't conservative people, but they are people who want to make America subservient to Vladimir Putin. And they see the alliance as being a Putin, Kim Jong-un America, all under Putin's leadership. And they view NATO um, as a threat versus NATO is our allies. What what are you talking about? And, And this is something that needs to be discussed. And that's why on this show, when you bring up this international news, it's critical because it's not being talked about. And especially it needs to be talked about in its historical significance. This is truly a historic day in NATO, a historic day for democracy, a historic day for America. Yet you wouldn't even know about the story if you, if you didn't bring it up. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah, they, there is so much gaslighting on the right, uh, acting as though our support for Ukraine somehow means that we are not supporting our own country or that our support for their freedom and and defense in, in whatever way we can without being directly engaged in a military conflict is, is an abandonment of our own country when in fact, our support of, of Ukraine has everything to do with defending and preserving the very fundamental democracy and freedom from which everything else in this country that we benefit from comes. Democracy and freedom are foundational to a functioning government that government that does anything for the people. So uh, there's a lot of, you know, they want to gaslight and they want to they want to act like um, Biden is not um, doing protecting the border when, you know, they always talk about fentanyl when the amount of fentanyl that has been um, confiscated <laughs> under the Biden administration is proof that they are are, are actively engaged in doing um, doing a their best job to secure a very, very difficult situation at the border. Again, the Republicans are not interested in serious resolutions to these very complex problems. They are simply interested in political theater to score points prolonging the pain that exists, um, these humanitarian crises that really require good faith efforts on all of us. These are not simple things to solve, and we don't have two good faith parties, which makes it so difficult and damaging to our collective welfare. It's really, it's really sad. Um, but I want to, I do want to, as we're talking about this international news, I don't want to turn a blind eye. It is April Fool's Day, but I'm going to mention something that I wish was April Fool's and it's not April Fool's. Um, that, or not tomorrow's April Fool's Day, not today. Um, 
that the UN Security Council is once again going to be headed up by Russia. This is a uh, normal rotation of the five member states that are permanent members of the UN Security Council. And this happened right after the start of the war, which was another just disgusting, um, disgusting sight to see. And that's when, if you remember in the early days of the the war, um, Putin's illegal invasion into Ukraine, um, they were gaslighting the international community about how Ukrainians were neo-Nazis. And um, Sergei Lavrov is about to preside over the Security Council um, once again because of this normal rotation. And I hope, um, I'm glad we have we have leaders in this country now, thank God, that are um, that are on the side of freedom and democracy. And I hope that because of that, we can encourage them to take stronger positions. Uh, the U.S. and the other and other nations have the ability to veto um, Russians, the Russians presiding over the Security Council, and I hope that um, that I, I I wish that we would be more assertive in that that role that we have not asserted. It. Russia has asserted their veto power many times. I think we've done it something like three times in a decade. Um, now would be a moment to, to to take that moral stand. I mean, you remember during the Trump administration when he had Lavrov in the Oval Office, and uh, the, and the Russian leaders were just like laughing at us and and taunting the United States of America. Like those images are just I- ingrained in 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 one of the most disgraceful periods of our entire history, probably the most disgraceful. That's just think about that. That's one of the first moves that he made was to invite Russians leadership to come into the Oval Office, basically to mock our country. And that's exactly what they did. And it's exactly the way it was conveyed in Russian propaganda at that time. And, you know, speaking of propaganda, I want to hear your take on this American propaganda by Fox. Um, you know, Fox to me resembles like Russian propaganda. There really is no distinction, which is why I think this lawsuit, this $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit filed by Dominion against Fox in Delaware Superior Court is so important and a huge huge ruling today by Judge Eric Davis, denied Fox's motion for summary judgment. That's Fox's last ditch effort to try to get this case dismissed. That's what a summary judgment is, to try to get the case dismissed after looking at all of the facts before the case goes to a jury trial. So the judge says this case is going to a jury trial next month, but then the judge also granted Dominion's motion for summary judgment on the issue of falsification, meaning as a matter of law, the judge determined that these statements being made by Fox were false. So Dominion in the trial is not going to even have to prove to the jury that these statements were false. The judge is going to instruct the jury a judicial finding has already been made by this court that Fox was publishing false information. Now, jury, your only role is to determine if that publication by Fox was made with actual Actual malice, malice. which is the standard for uh, public figures and Dominion's considered a public figure in this case. So a big win for Dominion there. And what, what do you think about that, Roland? Yeah, I think it's I think it's excellent. Um, I've learned a little bit about the summary judgment process. In my case, of course, my my NDA um, victory was decided on summary judgment, and the Trump campaign lost their bid to dismiss my lawsuit through summary judgment at the same time. So this is a beautiful thing for Dominion, um, having already, as you said, that that premise established that the statements that that Fox made was were false. And also, um, I think part of that ruling was that um, it was not found that Fox Corporation necessarily was engaged in the publication, but definitely that Fox News uh, fulfilled the publication aspect of um, component of of defamation. So um, two major components of, of Proving a defamation claim are already established. Like you said, the jury does not have to determine them. And the rest is going to trial, which I think I think is beautiful. I mean, in a way, when you lose part of a summary judgment um, 
motion. I, I know about this. And in my other case, it's it's disappointing because you don't get that quick and final justice that you're you're seeking. But in another way, you get to have those issues hashed out at trial. This is um, I think we are deeply indebted to Dominion for exposing Fox in the manner that they have. I most certainly, um, you know, woke up from my brainwashing and, and mesmerism that I was subjected to by Fox News for years. And I think that they are, they have done so much damage to this country. They have caused so much division and hate in the name of Christianity and freedom. It is, it is evil incarnate what that network has done to this country. And so I think the, um, the use of the legal system through this Dominion lawsuit is really beautiful. And I'm glad, um, I'm glad for the, this, partial victory on summary judgment and also glad that the rest of it is going to trial. So more and more of um, this this deceptive, misleading propaganda that that Fox News pumps into the American conscience night by night, morning by morning on these morning shows and primetime shows and weaved in throughout the day, uh, you know, trying to mingle with with real news um, is exposed to the American public and, and hopefully takes a real financial hit for um, the destruction that they have caused. And speaking of the deceptive, misleading propaganda, I mean, we see it every single day. One of the targets of their defamatory statements is George Soros, right? George Soros is brought up in uh, basically anything they want to accuse Democrats of or prosecutors of. It's George Soros funded this, George Soros funded that, which is just a complete anti-Semitic trope that they use, basically saying it's it's Soros who is behind this. It is a Jewish puppeteer who is the one pulling the strings. I don't even think most people, frankly, know who George, who George Soros, Soros is. He, he even is, yet he basically is the straw person used by by MAGA Republicans to basically say it, it is a Jew telling the prosecutor what to do, even when like someone like Alvin Bragg's never even talked to George Soros, like they has had no communication with George Soros. Yet here's the thing about the big lie, and, and here's the thing that I was reflecting on when they talked about Soros, 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 Soros. At some point, you think, "Wow, Soros must have." At the very least, does Soros have anything to do with uh, with, with Alvin Bragg? Like, like actually nothing. And that's the thing about the big lie: you repeat it at the biggest scale, and even someone whose defenses are up to the lies think. How could they just keep on saying George Soros over and over again if there truly is like zero connection at all? E even if there's a, is there a spurious connection? No, they just use the name because they're anti-Semitic and hateful and want to inspire this, you know, this hate and fuel this disinformation. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, George Soros in general and, and, and what this is really about. Yeah, I really wanted to shine a light on this because I lived in that echo chamber where the word Soros, it was just like this buzzword that you automatically heard it and you vilified the man. You thought whatever was coming from him was evil and destructive and he was corrupt and trying to hurt this country and a communist. And that was that's just what they have. The right wing propaganda machine has associated with the name Soros based on complete ignorance and and falsehoods and so i i you know just heard that for years again ignorantly not educating myself properly about who this man really is and then i come to my own experience where i'm in fighting this <laughs> this judgment against that was eventually of course overturned um and they're saying who's backing you you must be backed by george soros because the trump campaign for all their um for all their claiming to be on the side of Christianity has no real understanding of God and truth and the power of faith and the right idea. They really thought it had to be money that was backing me. It couldn't possibly just be a woman who was on the side of truth. No, that wasn't enough. The only thing that has power and resistance or, you know, tenacity in their mind is money. That's, that's how 
shallow they are and materialistic. So they thought I was backed by Soros. And then, of course, these stories are just happening again today with these anti-Semitic tropes against Soros. And I just thought, you know, I, I've, I have little by little educated myself that this man is not evil at all. He's, he's quite um, giving and has done a lot of good for the world. And so I decided to look a little bit into George Soros and I wanted to just share a little bit of his background. He's actually a Hungarian born Jew who lived through the Nazi occupation of Hungary. Um, and he was, uh, his father was a lawyer who had been in, um, been captured as a prisoner in, Ru in Russia during a civil war. He fled post-war Stalinist Hungary for London as a young man. He studied finance and um, eventually came to the United States and, uh, and was just massively successful in the financial investment industry, becoming one of the most successful investors in the United States. Um, he, his fund was called Soros Fund Management and eventually uh, amassed this, um, you know, e extremely um, large fortune. And because of his background, because of what he had witnessed with um, oppression and his own experience, had wanted to to use his his fortune philanthropically. And he has absolutely done that. He has given $32 billion of his personal fortune to um, his organizations, which are under the umbrella of the Open Society Foundations. And listen to this, Ben, the Open Society Foundations are founded on the principle, <laughs> sounds really evil, wait until you hear it, that, quote, societies can only flourish when they allow for democratic governance, freedom of expression, and respect for individual rights. And, and George Soros has really been a defender of democracy and a fighter of authoritarianism um, for his whole life. And he's supported groups that speak out against the erosion of freedom. He has given financial backing to brave dissidents that are resisting oppression. Um, beginning in 1979, he started giving scholarships to black South Africans under apartheid. He's funded academic, he funded academic visits to the West for dissidents of communist Hungary. This is so interesting to me because the, the GOP and the foxes of the world always rail against communism. Well, here's a man who actually fought and was largely responsible um, or largely influential in the downplay of communism because of education. <laughs> this is a man who has educated people to understand how they can fight their own fights to resist oppression and overcome it. And that's why people like Ron DeSantis are against education, because they are authoritarians themselves. They want to control others. They don't want them to be educated and understand their individual rights. So, um, you know, this is just a, an extremely um, giving philanthropic man who um, probably aligns more with the Democrats because surprise, surprise, the Democrats are the ones who are actually defending freedom and human rights around the world. Um, so that just to see how this man is maligned um, on a religious basis, no less, is, is really disgusting and despicable. And the truth of the matter is that George Soros um, has used his wealth in a way that we can all look to as an example. Yeah, based on that description, it actually makes sense why the MAGA Republicans would hate somebody who engages in that. I mean, look, the MAGA Republican Party, I mean, they're the ones who are basically cheering on global pandemics at this point. They're doing J6 choirs with the insurrectionist terrorists. They're sending congressional delegations United States House of Representative congressional delegations to hang out with insurrectionists and start chanting together, let's go, Brandon. I mean, th th this is who we are dealing with. And so, yeah, somebody who actually truly engages in the conduct that, that Soros engaged in and has actually helped support democracy is the biggest threat. It's the same reason why they hate people like Dr. Fauci. It's why they hate people like President Biden. It's why they hate people like Jamie Raskin. It's why they hate people like AOC. It's why they hate people like you. They hate smart, intelligent people who are out there making a difference and fighting for and supporting our democracy. That is who they're against. And it's sad, but that's why we have to 
turn the lights on and we've got to continue to shed light on this. And so it is such an honor to do this show with you each and every Friday live. Um, I want to thank all of the Midas Mighty out there uh, for all of your support, for supporting this show, for supporting the Midas Touch Network in general. Make sure you hit subscribe here also. Check out Lights On on audio podcast. So please, this helps Jessica and me a lot and the show a lot. If you go and search Lights On on your audio podcast, in addition to YouTube, YouTube. And if you're an audio listener, subscribe on YouTube. But YouTube listeners, go and subscribe. Search Lights On with Jessica Denson. Subscribe on audio. Leave a five-star review. That goes a long way to help. And with your support to all the Midas Mighty out there, yesterday's stream of the breaking news of the Trump indictments was the most watched stream, the most watched channel on all of YouTube, not just in the state, not just in the country, but in the world. And not just for news, but of all things during that time slot. And that's thanks to all of the Midas Mighty out there. And for everybody, if you want to contribute and help out the Legal Defense Fund of Jessica Denson as she continues to battle uh, Donald Trump and, uh, and and all of the Trump lawyers go to the jessicadenson.com slash donate T H E J E S S I C A D E N S O N.com slash donate. That's the jessicadenson.com slash donate dash Jessica last words for you. It's a beautiful week. We are we are finally getting to justice and we have all had a major part in this. And I am so grateful. I am so happy. Don't let anybody tell you this is a dark. Yes, it's dark that we had a president like Donald Trump, but it's not dark that we're bringing him to justice. That is light. And I'm so grateful to be here on Lights On to share in this joy and progress and hope for the free world that we are witnessing. So thank you all for being with us again. Thank you, Ben Micellis. I enjoy doing this with you, my friends, so much. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.